You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They can't be the Packers. You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. Going to be a short one today because I just ran out of time, if I'm being honest. Um, but one thing I've been really wanting to do is start going through some of the mock drafts that you guys have sent to me. So let me double check. Uh, I'm doing. I'm going to be looking at two different mock drafts that were sent in. First, we have uh, Go Badgers at Clay Curry 52 on Twitter, and the other one is our. Our old buddy Pedro Nascimento. He sent in a bunch of mock drafts last year. We had a bunch of fun going through those. We're going to do um, these two today. And I'm not going to do the whole uh, seven-round mock for either one. But I wanted to examine some of the mm, mid-round picks, I guess. Because both guys took Michael Mayer in the first round. And you guys already know who Michael Mayer is. If you don't, Ryan did a podcast... Mm, like two weeks ago, maybe about Michael Mayer. So just scroll back through the feed, find uh, Ryan's pod talking about Michael Mayer. It was a fantastic breakdown, and uh, I have no no uh, desire as of today to redo the work that he did on Michael Mayer. Um, the one thing with Mayer, uh, there are some people who have been talking on Twitter. Uh, you know, people in the know talking to scouts who are thinking that maybe Mayer is not going to be the first tight end off the board. It is true that his measurables are not quite, you know, quite there. His speed in particular is just slightly lacking. So Dalton Kincaid is a guy who many are projecting to be the first tight end off the board. I've heard Luke Musgrave a couple times. And uh, then, obviously, Darnell Washington is the other name. See, but you got four really fantastic tight end prospects. And let me see here. If I'm looking overall, we got uh, Mayer. It was the highest graded tight end of those four, actually, of the entire tight end class. Dalton Kincaid was just behind him. So Mayer had a 92.5. Dalton Kincaid had a 89.9. So pretty close. They both had uh, about a 91.5 receiving grade. Dalton Kincaid uh, graded out slightly better as a pass blocker. Michael Mayer graded out way better as a run blocker. I would say pass blocking is a little more important, but you really like a nice run blocking tight end. Darnell Washington also has a good grade, 86.4. 
He's got a 79 receiving grade. So I think all three of those guys really do make a lot of sense to me to be, you know, the, the top premier tight end prospects in this draft. And none of them have bad size. Dalton Kincaid is the shortest of the three at six foot four. Darnell Washington is a whopping six, seven. Love to see it. Um, Dalton Kincaid is also 10 pounds lighter than Michael Mayer, who's 6'5", 250. Darnell Washington, of course, he's got two inches on Michael Mayer. Not super surprising that he's got 30 pounds on him at 280. Big boy. Uh, but Dalton Kincaid is a little bit of an older player. Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington are both sitting at about 21 and a half years old. Dalton Kincaid is two years older. Also, looking at uh, estimated speeds, uh, Michael Mayer actually comes in as the fastest of the three at 4.62 is his estimated 40 time. Um, but I've seen a, a bunch of people talking about that, well, you know, he just doesn't have the uh, explosive burst and maybe doesn't have that top end speed when you watch the film. I don't know. We're going to have to wait for the combine to see what those actually are. Luke Musgrave, where is he? Here we go. Luke Musgrave estimated a 48640, um, but he is absolutely massive. Uh, where is this? Estimated 68. He's a big guy, man. Um, <laughs> that's uh, Oregon State's Luke Musgrave. Anyways, um, we'll do probably uh, more of an in-depth look at these tight ends, but... I didn't want to waste a ton of time talking about Michael Mayer just because we already know who he is. And then Bijan Robinson, um, Pedro took Bijan Robinson in the first round as well. He traded Aaron Rodgers to the Jets for a one this year, a two this year, and a two next year. Then he did another trade with the Steelers and... Uh, acquired an extra third round pick to move back a couple of spots. So that's how he landed Bijan at pick 17. So uh, two first round guys, both offensive. And I, it's, it's hard to disagree with the assessment that our offense needs some more playmakers. We're thin at wide receiver. Um, you're going to see when we're looking at go Badgers, uh, draft. He took two wide receivers in the third and fourth rounds, and then a fifth round running back. Um, let's see. Pedro took tight end Michael Mayer in the first round, and then he took running back Bijan Robinson in the first round. No question. I think that that moves the needle for you offensively and gives you the ability to move on from a very, very expensive Aaron Jones if you got Bijan Robinson. But then the interesting thing to me is that Pedro actually doubled down on tight end by taking Darnell Washington in the second round. Okay, so this would give you an interesting duo um, of tight ends. And I think between the two of those, you got to have one of them hit for sure, no question. And it's a lot of draft capital. But imagining these two guys who both are exceptionally good run-blocking tight ends, they both graded out in the low 80s for run-blocking, Putting those two guys out there blocking for Bijan Robinson, man, you like it. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to the third round because we have another second round pick that he had acquired in that Rodgers trade. But we're going to skip ahead to the third round and look at 
tackle Blake Freeland out of BYU. This is a guy I have not looked at at all. But you can very clearly see where the emphasis is here for Pedro. And that is we are really going to fix our blocking issues and provide some pretty explosive playmakers. Darnell Washington, no question he is um, explosive. Bijan might be the most explosive guy in all of college football. This, I think, does transform your, your offense in a dramatic way. You know, you go from basically no tight ends that you can really rely on in the passing game where, you know, Tunyon is, is easily your best receiving tight end, and that's not saying much, to having two legitimate threats in the uh, passing game, two extraordinarily good run-blocking tight ends. You're adding a tackle all in the first three rounds. Man, I like it. That should transform your offense. Even with the change at quarterback, which I think the Packers would only make if they felt confident that Jordan Love was going to get the job done for him. This would be a very fun offense to run, I think. And he's still got A.J. Dillon there as well. He's still on his rookie deal. Um, and then, you know, even when he does get his uh, new contract, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a gangbusters deal. He was not extraordinarily productive uh, on his rookie deal, although uh, very useful. Uh, but, you know, just not putting up the counting stats that Aaron Jones had. All right, what kind of a player are you getting in Darnell Washington? NFLDraftBuzz.com is a site that I like to look at first because um, they do a better job than most sites of collecting some stats. So they are estimating a 4.63 40 time for him. Um, let's see here, what did I have on the uh, the first site I looked at? Uh, 4.67. So. NFLDraftBuzz.com thinks he's going to be a little bit faster. They have him, like I said, at 21 and a half years old. They got him at 6'7", 270. That's slightly smaller on both counts than the initial letter uh, numbers I gave off to. Actually, 6'7 is, is the same, but 10 pounds lighter um, at 270 than the other side I was looking at. Um, and they uh, list him as having kind of just okay hands. So he's a very productive, short and intermediate receiving threat. Not as much of a deep threat, uh, which Michael Mayer is. Very good blocker, but the hands grade, they give him a 72%. And in college, they say they had an 111.2 QB rating when targeted. Darnell Washington was a four-star recruit. Sorry, former five-star recruit. Uh, who went to Georgia, of course. Under strengths, they have him listed as a powerful open field runner with agility, quickness, and a decent stiff arm. His long arms allow him to play bigger than his size. Man, I mean, come on, he's 6'7", 270, or 280. Come on. <laughs> uh, but they're saying he can play bigger than his size, and he has a frame that can carry a little more weight. He's a coordinated hands catcher. This a little bit contradicts their 72% uh, hands grade that they gave him. Who does a nice job digging out low throws. He's very good with the ball in his hands. A violent runner after the catch. And often able to fend off defenders with a straight arm. He's very good in contested catch situations. Using his frame effectively to make plays facing the quarterback. 
Washington also shows a knack for high-pointing the ball, consistently outmuscling defensive backs. You know what that exactly sounds like is a fantastic uh, end zone target. And man, do we need that. Our red zone struggles absolutely have to be, have to get cleaned up. And yes, some better blocking is going to help with that. But if you had a big body tight end who you could be targeting in the end zone, that's going to take a lot of pressure off your run game as well. All right. This is my favorite part of an NFL draft buzz profile to look at. And that is weaknesses seen on the scouting report. They have three. Washington seems comfortable in traffic to the point where he doesn't make the effort to create separation. Washington doesn't have a second gear and won't threaten the top of the defense. Because his top end speed is good, not great, he doesn't warrant safety help over the top. He may be limited to a role player. Now, when you got Christian Watson and he's healthy, I don't know if that's the end of the world because Christian is supposed to be doing that job and you, you would then have a guy in Darnell who could kind of carve up the underneath a little bit. So maybe the Packers are a better team fit than others for Washington since they have that premier deep threat. All right, pairing in with Michael Mayer, I'm on board. Uh, I think two tight ends in the first two rounds is heavy, but man, <laughs> it would take us from uh, a pretty underwhelming tight end room to one where, man, you're, you're starting to not really notice any uh, thinness in the receiver room at that point because you got these two premium tight end picks. So I think this would be a lot of fun, plus Bijan Robinson. I'm all for it. Let's do it, man. All right, he did then take Jordan Battle in the second round. So this is the... Is this the Aaron Rodgers pick? No. Darnell Washington was the Aaron Rodgers pick. This is our, uh, just the Packers pick. He took Jordan Battle. Let's talk about Jordan Battle because Battle's a guy who completely fell off everybody's radar kind of for no reason. Um, safety at Alabama, 6'1", 206, uh, kind of grades out awesome across the board, which you like to see. He's, uh, let's see, 6'1", he had an 89 PFF grade this past season, 81, sorry, 81.5 PFF grade, 6'1", 206, estimated to be running a 4.5540. He's not super young uh, at 22 years old, but still comfortably within where the Packers are, tend to be comfortable drafting guys. Former four-star recruit who committed to Ohio State and then flipped to Bama. Uh, as a freshman in the 2019 season, he played in 13 games, a total of 400 snaps. He recorded 19 tackles, an assist, and six stops. Made a name for himself pretty early, and he was costing opposing quarterbacks a 48.8 uh, passer rating when targeted. Earned second team All America uh, honors. Uh, let's see, first team All SEC. That's by coaches. Um, second team, just a second team honors from the AP. Is that All American or All SEC? I'm not sure. This is for the 2022 season. He won a bunch of awards in 2021 as well. 
I read off what three awards. There's like 14 here and I don't feel like reading all of them, but he did earn a spot on the Thorpe award watch list. Okay, cool. Scouting report strength. Let's get excited about Jordan battle. He's a physical safety that has the perfect size for the, for the strong safety position. Brilliant in the box with linebacker-like skills. All right. You know what? If you have linebacker skills, I'm excited. If you have a linebacker build as a safety, I'm not so excited. I'm excited about Jordan Battle. Listed as a natural leader, has a high football IQ, fantastic instincts, smooth hips, fluid in coverage, uh, terrifies smaller receivers over the middle, regularly blowing them up with big hits. Oh, man, could you imagine injecting that into our defense? In 2021, he was fantastic in coverage, excelling in man-to-man. Allowed only 111 yards when targeted all season. Wow. Has the speed to stay with receivers deep and doesn't allow much of a cushion. Yeah, I mean, 4.55 speed is okay for a safety. It's uh, much slower than Darnell Savage. Uh, But I think, what was Adrian Amos? It's 40. Let's check that out. Adrian Amos ran, do we even know? Here it is, a 4-3-9. So, so uh, a battle would be significantly slower than either of our two current safeties. But if he can be a consistent guy who actually is in the right place and makes his tackles and doesn't lose his head, I think that would be a huge upgrade. What about red zone? He's aware in the red zone, stays on the back line to take away fade throws, capable of making quarterbacks pay for late throws. Savvy using his hands to get to the ball without drawing flags, willing tackler, and high effort leader. Let's look at weaknesses. Doesn't always wrap up his tackles, tends to be, it needs to be less sloppy and improve his technique. Well, since we don't have a safeties coach, that makes me nervous. Needs to tighten his angles in pursuit, needs to show better tackling technique, to consistently finish has a high back pedal and sometimes loses a step in transition. Uh, an NFL receiver with good speed uh, could make him pay for that, especially if he's lined up in the slot. Now maybe Darnell Savage is going to be playing in the slot, uh, but just saying plays with good speed, but there are concerns about his ability to handle the truly explosive speedsters of the NFL inconsistent getting off of blocks can be a step slow to react when a quarterback comes back to his side of the field late in progression. Lowers his shoulder for the big hit rather than wrapping up securely. I'm going to be honest. After Kevin King, I've kind of seen all the shoulder tackles I can handle in green and gold. So if we draft the guy, coach this out of him. (laughs) Uh, Willing but not threatening tackler. That doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. All right. Earlier you described him as laying huge hits on receivers over the middle and also described him under the strengths. uh, Where is it? Where's the tackling thing? Willing tackler and high effort leader. But now you're going to say willing but not threatening tackler? I mean, what are you trying to say? Like, he's going to struggle to bring down Derrick Henry? I think we all are. His hand size is something of a concern. Uh, He's down in like the second, third percentile in safety hand size. It's like really bad. Uh, His 40 is good. His height is slightly above average. He has short arms and is a little bit uh, light for a safety, not super heavy. So uh, overall, I would be certainly excited about him. 
Um, I don't see him as a first round talent because of the physical limitations. I think he's just a little bit of a smaller guy than, than what you'd expect to see go in the first round. But back of the second round, I think this is a guy you'd be really excited to nap. And I think that it's pretty imperative that we do pick up safety help, um, this time around. So the, by the way, the other Jordan battle appears to be right now. And that could change, but he appears to be the consensus number two safety in this draft. I'm a little bit surprised that he's ahead of Brandon Joseph. I would not expect that. I expect Brandon Joseph to be at number two. Um, but the the highest uh, drafted safety, of course, is his teammate at Alabama, and that's Brian Branch, who probably will be gone by pick 15 or around pick 15. So there there is, you know, maybe the uh the thought here when you're on the clock in round one how much do we value safety if brian branch is there do we go ahead and take a swing at him or do you wait and try and grab his teammate in the second round i don't know it depends on how much the, the packers value safety i think that if they valued safety enough to take a guy in the first round this year they probably would have looked at what they had last year and said, we need some help um, instead of just deciding that what they had was good enough. But man, you need, you desperately need some safety help. You kind of don't have any safeties going into this year. Um, you know, get Rudy Ford back under contract. Uh, no question in my mind that he'll be back because of his contributions on special teams. Um, but I, I'd like to keep Rudy Ford as like your safety three, not your safety two. And right now he's probably your safety one. So uh, you need some some serious help here. The consensus eight safety is Christopher Smith from Georgia. He's uh, quite a bit smaller than Jordan Battle. He's only 5'11", 188 pounds. I would be a little bit surprised if the Packers took him in the third round, but that's where Pedro has him going. This is uh, the our second third-round pick. So because of this... Uh, Aaron Rodgers trade and then the subsequent trade with the Steelers. Pedro has us taking two players in the first, second, and third rounds. So this would be the second, third round pick. I promise we'll come back and hit Blake Freeland, the tackle that we took earlier in round three, but we're doing safety right now, so we're going to hit Christopher, Christopher Smith. Smith did grade out okay. He had a 77.2. Uh, I can't, I think I already said his size, uh, 5'11", roughly 190-ish pounds. Um, he's a little bit faster than Battle. He ran a 4.52, um, and about the same age, 22.8 years old. He comes in at 159 on PFF's big board for this year, and... The Draft Network has him as the number 40 overall player. So a little bit of a discrepancy there. Christopher Smith. Um, the one area where he doesn't grade out fantastic is tackling. Everywhere else he's uh, pretty good, uh, but the tackling really could be a lot better. It's just slightly above average. He did allow a quarterback rating when targeted of 51.5. Nice and low. That's what you like to see. Um, overall... I think other than the fact that he's even smaller than Battle, Christopher Smith is a very, very similar player to 
Jordan Battle. So for a guy who's uh, projected to maybe be going somewhere around pick 90-ish, you know, the back of the third round, I'm not super sold on the idea that I would use a an earlier premium pick on Jordan Battle if you're only going to take one safety and you think Christopher Smith will still be around. So, uh, but I do like that Pedro is taking multiple safeties. He actually has us taking a third safety in round five, and that is Rashad Torrance out of Florida. Uh, we'll touch on him as well. Christopher Smith, let's look at uh, strengths and weaknesses. Has good football awareness. Ball skills are very good. Smith tracks the ball well downfield and has the hands and coordination to come away with interceptions, even when Smith isn't targeted often. I'd like to see that. Go hunt that ball down and go get it. Uh, has change of direction ability to mirror underneath, but did solid work out of press and off coverage. Does a good job getting his head around in time when playing with his back to the line of scrimmage. Has the ability to cover quick, quickness underneath. An instinctive center fielder who flies around the field has the tools to make up for a relative lack of size. All right, let's look at weaknesses. First of all, uh, his height is down at the 16th percentile, and his weight is in the 2nd percentile. This guy has to put on some more muscle. Uh, his 40-yard dash is in the 84th percentile. That's his, his highest uh, measurable hand size at 72. Uh, arm length is at 50 wingspan is at 33. He's a smaller guy. And the one thing he can't do is improve his height. 16th percentile in height. He's got a lot to overcome. And Brian Gutekunst does not tight, uh, not like taking really short players. So Smith would really have to blow him away, uh, to warrant a look in the third round. Looking at weaknesses, inconsistent getting off of blocks. Well, yeah, he's tiny can be a step slow to react when a quarterback comes back to his side of the field late in progression. That's the exact same thing they said about Jordan Battle. I mean, that's like copy and paste. Uh, Needs to tighten his angles in pursuit. Needs to show better tackling technique to consistently finish. Again, he's small. So getting that technique to be flawless is going to be really crucial when he's going up against these uh, bigger NFL players. Plays out of control too often, laying a lot of big hits, but also missing a lot of tackles along the way. Smith also needs to do a better job reading routes when sitting back as a single high safety. Needs to develop a better understanding of route combinations and better overall vision. Well, that's that's most rookies. So here's my thing with Christopher Smith. I don't think he's a third-round talent because of his size. I think that Christopher Smith is playing near the top of his ability in terms of he is maximizing what he can do to overcome the physical limitations. I, I don't think that Goody would be super interested in this guy. Um, having said that, he probably is going to go to some team in maybe the fourth round or so and be productive. But I don't think that Gutekunst is really going to mind that. I think he's going to look at him and say, well, Good for you that you're getting something out of him, but I need a guy who is not held back so much uh, physically. So Christopher Smith, I think, would be the first guy here that we're looking at that I'm I'm just not really seeing it. Seems like a talented guy, but I think he's near his ceiling. And, you know, is how how consistently can he play 
at his ceiling. He doesn't have any of the, uh, you know, elite athleticism that you're looking for, for him to really continue developing and, and challenging the guys he's going up against. But you know what? Uh, those, those mid rounds, I think is fair value for him. There's, you know, no chance that he's going to go in the first two rounds. I don't think because of his size. Uh, but as a, a later player, I could really see him thriving. Um, makes me maybe slightly nervous to be playing him back as a single high safety. I, I kind of like him a little bit more playing in the slot, something like that, probably because of his side and the the good speed that he has. I think that that maybe is a better fit for him. And I don't know that I super trust having him back there as your, your last line of defense. Um, the speed is nice, though. Certainly nice to have that speed. You know, I'm looking at this article here about uh, Adrian Amos's 40-yard time. He ran a 4.39 at the Penn State Pro Day, but at the Combine, he ran a 4.56. I'm going to go with that 4.56 as the official. Uh, I don't see that 4.39 being widely touted. So, there you go. We see you, Penn State. We know what you're doing. All right, real quick. So the other safety that Pedro took was Rashad Torrance out of Florida. I actually think Rashad Torrance is a better player, a better prospect. Um, PFF's uh, simulator that Pedro used had uh, Rashad going in about the fifth round. That's where Pedro took him. I think that's considerably later than where I expect him to go, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he went ahead of Christopher Smith. A couple things with Torrance. First of all, he's a bigger guy. Didn't grade out quite as well. He had a 73.8. Still good. It's good, not great. Um, he is uh, very fast, and he's a little bit bigger. He's six foot two oh two. Ran a or is projected to run a, five, a four five three. We'll see if he actually runs at the combine, but a four five three is good. I think that. Um, Torrance is a uh, well-rounded guy um, with a a higher athletic upside than Christopher Smith. I think you're getting more of a polished, ready-to-play dude in Christopher Smith. And Rashad Torrance, you're going to get a guy who has a higher ceiling, something you can develop going forward. I think that that is much more the Packers type. I think they're going to be more interested in a guy who has the athletic upside to uh, really develop uh, long-term. So I actually would probably prefer Rashad ahead of Christopher Smith. Now, I think it's interesting here. Uh, if you look at uh, you know, perceived needs that the Packers have, it's, it's, it's trickier this year because most years there's just like something really obvious. Like, okay, after that 2020 NFC Championship game, like we need cornerback help badly. Get us Eric Stokes. And, you know, with Devontae leaving, like, you have to take some wide receivers because we just don't have the bodies anymore. This year, you know, people are talking about tight end. They're talking about safety because our safeties freaking suck. Um, and those two certainly make a lot of sense. Um, I think you could make an argument that we have a need at quarterback, uh, that we need um, some more offensive line help. People keep saying defensive line help. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm tired of throwing first-round picks at the defensive line. Let's get a different coach in there instead and actually start maximizing some of the uh, 
you know, talent that we've invested huge amounts of capital into. Um, edge rusher is another one. And I do think it's interesting. I'm not criticizing this. I don't think it's the wrong call, but I think it's interesting that Pedro hammered tight end and safety so heavily in this draft. And then even, um, you know, he takes a couple of offensive linemen here and there takes a developmental quarterback that you can work with, takes a couple of wide receivers. I think I mentioned and wraps it up by taking a kicker in the seventh round, Jake Moody out of Michigan, who I think is the only kicker in this rookie class who is worth a draft pick. Jake Moody is, is pretty darn good and he's by far the best kicker available. I find it interesting that he didn't address edge. That to me says that Pedro likes the edge rushers we have. And I like him too. Um, makes me nervous that, um, that we don't know how long Rashawn is going to be out with his ACL tear, but I like Kingsley. I like Preston. Um, I don't, I don't think that you have enough guys to get through the whole season. Uh, but maybe you could survive a few weeks until Rashawn gets back and then you're in decent shape. So, um, Pedro has more confidence in the edge room than your typical fan. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. And I think that's fine. Uh, I think this is a, a fun mock draft they put together. I did have to touch on Osiris, Tor Osiris Torrance, the tackle it took in the third round. Yeah, third round. Now, this is a bold strategy. Pedro took two third-round picks. So, you know, what do we do about the curse here? Is this going to... Uh, double down. Are we going to have two busts here? Or is it somehow going to break through the curse? You know, you're taking double the swings, maybe only get one uh, third round bust here. And then the other guy actually hits uh, the draft network has Torrance is a uh, six foot five, 345 pound uh, tackle um, relatively athletic has a five, two, five uh, dash. They ran at some point. Uh, they are projecting him as a starting guard in the NFL. Now, here is one of the reasons why I checked the draft network. They like to talk about his scheme fit, and they say he's a good fit for a gap uh, blocking 
offensive line, which is not really what the Packers run. Doesn't mean that he can't do it. Um, doesn't mean that the draft network really knows what they're talking about here. But uh, the Packers uh, run or they run a lot of zone blocking on that offensive line. Under reasons for concern, the draft network li- lists that he is very scheme specific. CBS Sports uh, NFL draft analyst Josh Edwards mentioned in his scouting report that Torrance is more of a gap scheme blocker who can rely on his physical style of play. If you want some shorthand for Osiris, he's a very, very big, not super fast uh, guy who probably is a guard. Susceptible to speed rushers, has only average quickness off the snap, and doesn't possess the acceleration or arm length to corral defenders once they cross his face. Often gets too high in his sets, sacrificing some of his power, and Torrance doesn't show great coordination between his upper and lower body when sliding back in pass pro. Attacks when necessary, but he won't consistently dominate and can lose balance overextending. He's often too mechanical as a pass protector, oversetting and getting beat inside. Um, I think that that would be helped by moving him to guard as opposed to tackle. Um, he is kind of a bruising run blocker, and I think this is why Pedro uh, noticed him. In the run game, he plays with a mean streak and does a nice job generating a push at the initial point of attack. He can get outside and does a decent job landing blocks in space. Uh, having a six foot five guard, which we may have anyways, if we put Josh Myers, who's been, I think, struggling at center, if we put him out at guard, man, you could have two really dominant, uh, run blocking, bruising guards, um, at that point, that would be kind of fun. Plus paired with the, uh, two tight ends that Pedro drafted and Bijan Robinson, I'd like to see who could stop this run game. Now, we would need to uh, slide Zach Tom into center. So at that point, you are relying on David Bakhtiari being back for another year at left tackle and kicking Elton Jenkins back out to right tackle again. Not really sure who else could play center for you. Uh, John Runyon, I think, did play some center at Michigan, if I recall correctly. So maybe that's something you explore. Um, Runyon is uh, not a very good run blocker, but he's a, a good pass blocker. That's why I like him at left guard. Overall, I think um, Osiris Torrance, to me, has uh, more of an upside as a guard than Sean Ryan. I think Sean Ryan, who took last year in the third round, always felt more like if he's going to succeed, it's going to be at right tackle. And I think Osiris Torrance is much more of a guard, although a very, very big guard at six foot five, three thirty-seven. Um, let's see, how do you grade out, by the way? Ooh, mama. Oops, I just lost it. Hang on. It's uh eighty come on. I closed my thing. Eighty eight. Had an eighty eight grade uh this past year um as a blocker. He had one not so great game against Texas A&M this past season in pass pro he had a 36.3, but um, they played against Georgia, South Carolina, Florida state, Utah, Tennessee, like some really good teams this past year. So, and, and he did fine against all of them. He just had one bad day against Texas A&M um, as a run blocker, 89.9 overall grade pass blocker, 76.1. So, uh, and that was as a right guard for Florida, which is which is where I would want to put him as well. Interesting, he didn't play a single snap at another position on the offensive line this year. 
What about past years? Let me see. In 2021, what did he play? 2021, 761 snaps at right guard, 46 at right tackle. He's a guard. Um, I don't understand why PFF's mock draft machine is listing him as a tackle. This dude is a guard. Okay, Pedro, thank you for that mock draft. Super appreciate it. That was fun to get some to talk about some new guys. We're going to flip over and look at Go Badgers. Clay Curry 52 on Twitter. All right, in the first round, he's taking Brian Branch. I'm going to skip Brian Branch. Um, I think for the purposes of doing this podcast that I'm doing today, I am not going to devote a lot of time to talking about the first round picks here. We're going to get into some names that you guys are not as familiar with. We can also skip the second round pick because it is Osiris Torrance. We just finished talking about, so he's taking him in the early second round. Let me see here. So he's using walk the mock. Uh, they are listing him as a guard. I think it's interesting that he's already, um, you know, th- that there's such a wide disparity here between uh, mid third round and early second round here on these two different, uh, you know, mock draft machines. Uh, be interesting, interesting to see where he settles. I think as a guard who needs a little bit of a development, I'm not sure I buy him in the second round because I mean, maybe with the athletic upside, but he's not that fast is the problem. He's, he's big, but he's a little slow. So I don't know that I love him in the second round. I I really like the idea of getting the player, uh, you know, but how early do you want to take him? I just think about who else might be available in the second round. And am I willing to draft a guard that early? Maybe, maybe I am, you know, the offensive line really was a, a problem for us for a lot of the year. And even at the end of the year, there were still significant issues with the offensive line. And I think you have more, op- more answers at tackle than you do at guard potentially in terms of, you know, really uh, top echelon uh, talent. Maybe with the exception of right tackle. We got a lot of left tackles on this team. So if you're going to take a a guy in the second round who you think could play right tackle, I'm all for it. A right guard gets me a little bit less excited. Okay. Still would be nice to add Osiris Torrance. Okay. Cedric Tillman is the third round pick. He's a wide receiver out of Tennessee. Now, before we jump into this, I'm just going to say Tennessee wide receivers, man, they... And this is the same thing with Hendon Hooker, their quarterback. You got to be a little bit careful when you're scouting these guys because Tennessee runs such a weird offense and it just does not translate very well to the NFL. You know, the, the stuff that these guys are learning, like for example, Velas Jones, who the bears took in the third round and then he didn't play at all. And I said all last off season, look, I would happily take Velas Jones, but I'm going to stick him on special teams and make him return punts and kicks. And I'm not even going to let him set foot on the field on offense. Bears took him in the third round. And I laughed my butt off. Cedric Tillman is another Tennessee wide receiver. And, and, and the thing that with Velas Jones, he ranked very, very, very highly in terms of uh, separation yards in all college football. That is just something you're going to see with all Tennessee wide receivers. So we'll take a look at Cedric Tillman. I'm not dismissing him entirely because of the school he went to, but uh, this is just one of the things you got to be aware of when you are looking at Tennessee wide receivers or, or Hendon hooker, who I don't think is very pro ready at all. He was very productive, but I don't think that what he did well for Tennessee translates very well to what he'll be asked to do in the NFL. So I currently have 34 
wide receivers that I have identified as guys I want to scout for this upcoming draft. Cedric Tillman, of those 34, has the 7th lowest PFF grade, and his receiving grade is slightly lower than his overall grade because he's a good run blocker. 72.2 run blocking grade, 69.1 receiving grade. Now, six foot three, 215 pounds, no problem with his size. 22 and a half years old, no problems there. 4.5 estimated 40 time. Not terrible. Physically, he checks all the boxes. PFF grade, a little bit lower than you'd like. Uh, zero fumbles, two drops this past season. Uh, 42.9% contested catches. He forced three missed tackles. Average depth of target, 14.4 yards. That one doesn't tell you, you know, a ton about how good he is, but if you're trying to think about how you would use him, I think that that gives you some context there. 2.02 yards per route run. All the Tennessee wide receivers tend to rate pretty highly in this category. Uh, 2.02 is higher than what we're looking for. Uh, so he's good there. Only penalized one time this past year. Uh, he played 202 snaps on the boundary, 26 in the slot. That's actually not a ton of overall snaps. Do you not play very much this past year? He is currently projected to go toward the back of the second round. Let me see here. Uh, our buddy Go Badgers took him in the middle of the third round. So that eh, makes sense. Uh, and then CBS has him as their 108th player. So that would be fourth round pick. The draft network has him as their 55th player and PFF lists him as player 139. So roughly a consensus third, fourth round pick. Let's look at some scouting reports for him. We'll start with draft network. 417 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, 11.27 yards per reception in 2022. This is 37 total receptions. Cedric Tillman came to Tennessee and delivered the type of production the Volunteers hadn't seen in a while. In 2021, Tillman became the Volunteers' first 1,000-yard receiver since 2012 and set the program record for most consecutive games with a receiving touchdown. Uh, Tillman's father played receiver at Alcorn and was an 11th-round draft pick that spent four seasons in the NFL. I do like drafting football guys from football families. Um, I think that uh, you tend to uh, maybe be inclined to have some better habits and, and um, structure your life in such a way to support your football career. So that's a plus for me. Let's see. Tillman's a big body wide receiver. We know that. Um, to do, do, do long stride length does well bending his route stems to set up breaks and stack corners. Tillman features exceptional body control and does an outstanding job of establishing leverage at the catch point. While he isn't only a contested catch guy, Tillman is unfazed when challenged at the catch point. Remember he did have a 42.7 or 0.9% uh, contested catch rate. So that was pretty good. Um, Features outstanding ball skills and spatial awareness. His hands are strong and confident. Tillman has no issues plucking the football away from his frame with extension and hanging on through contact. Ooh, I like to hear that. He excels down the field with his blend of size, ball skills, hands, and speed. 
He's physical and competitive with a ball in his hands, and he showcases good field vision. Thielman can be a strong wide receiver two or three at the next level, but he shouldn't be confused as a do-everything receiver. That said, his size, ball skills, and body control are a welcomed profile to any receiver. So what are they projecting him as? He's not a do-everything receiver. He's like a contested catch jump ball guy. What do you... I'm not sure what they're trying to describe him as. Top reasons to buy in. Size, ball skills, body control. I like those. Top reasons for concern. Route tree expansion is necessary. Well, there you go. I, I did mention Tennessee, the type of receivers they've been pumping out, very productive in college, but not very developed. Modest yard after the catch skill set. Acclimation to the next level where his utilization promises to be vastly different. That is a confusing sentence to read aloud, but looking at it, they're just saying that how he's going to be used in the NFL is vastly different from how he was used in college, which is what I said from the beginning is typical of all these Tennessee wide receivers. And I don't endorse helmet scouting, but there are things that you can maybe expect to see in a guy based on the type of offense that they run. And Tennessee is is a little bit more of a predictive uh, model than others. Ideal role. Outside receiver that gets chances to win down the field. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of similar to how we're hoping Romeo Dobbs eventually gets used. After you add a guy who can really start carving stuff up underneath and out of the slot, a la a Jackson Smith and Jigba. So Cedric Tillman is... Um, maybe a more consistent but less developed Romeo Dobbs. Okay, I like it. Prospect comparison, Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards. I haven't heard that name in a while. How's he doing? What what team is he even on? Let's see. Brian Edwards. Wasn't he with the uh, Raiders for a while? Brian Edwards. Now he, so he was with the Raiders. Now he's with the Chiefs. He was a mid third round pick in 2020. Wow. <laughs> Did not play well in 2022. Let's see. How do you do in past years? I mean, explains why he's no longer with the Raiders. Brian Edwards did not pan out. We'll say that. All right. Osiris Torrance projected as a third round value. Um, scheme fit vertical spread. Not really what the Packers run. I think for me, you know, see what he does at the Senior Bowl, see what he does at um, at the Combine, and if if that athletic upside is there, and you feel like this is a guy worth developing, I think I'd take a swing on him in the third round. I think that makes sense to me. Seems like good value. Um, he's got size. Um, he's got some speed. Needs a lot of development. Uh, but you know who else had the size and speed and needed a ton of development was Christian Watson. And we did okay with him last year. So I would be willing to take a swing here with Cedric Tillman. Obviously, you know, he's not the physical freak that Christian Watson was. But I'm just saying, we took a guy who was extraordinarily raw. Uh, I would say much more raw than Cedric Tillman. And turned him into a, a very productive wide receiver for us in just one year. No reason if Cedric Tillman is a smart, hard worker, like the scouting report says, that we couldn't do the same with him. Uh, let's see, NFLDraftBuzz.com, going back to them. They list blocking as a weakness for him. Everything else is kind of high. 
Blocking, they gave him a 72% uh, grade there. Let's see here. Let's look at strengths via NFL Draft Buzz. Uh, tracks the ball well downfield and consistently runs under long throws. We could really stand to add that to our arsenal. Strong runner with the ball with enough agility to make defenders miss in the open field. Thriving on physicality, he's a contested catch specialist with a knack for warding off defenders while the ball is in the air. He has strong hands and the ability to wrestle the ball away from defenders. The more and more I read about him, I feel like he is a higher upside, less developed Romeo Dobbs. And I'm very interested in buying in on that. Physical player able to get off press coverage to release up the sideline or position himself inside the cornerback on slants and crossing routes. Uh, we didn't run, didn't, didn't seem like we made a lot of, uh, hay off of slants this past year, uh, without Devontae there. I'd like to see that kind of added back in a little bit more. Weaknesses via NFLDraftBuzz.com. He'll have to develop a better feel for sitting down against zone coverage. I think overall the Packers wide receivers tend to be good at that. Uh, Matt LaFleur does a good job of scheming these guys and Jason Vrabel, um, seems to communicate well that this is the expectation there. Um, that one doesn't concern me a ton. Tillman isn't going to overwhelm opposing defensive backs with speed and athleticism. He lacks the twitch to create consistent separation. But I think that's okay. Putting him opposite Christian Watson, I think he feels like a very complimentary piece. I'm getting more and more excited about this guy. Uh, the speed is in the 51st percentile, slightly above average. Um, height, weight, Hand size and wingspan are all really good. Arm length is in the 98th percentile. I'm getting excited about this guy. Good find here, man, with Cedric Tillman. I'm excited about this guy. Uh, definitely, definitely very raw. A lot of coaching is going to be needed for him. Um, I, I really do not like Tennessee's offensive scheme that they run at all. Man, I am buying in on Cedric Tillman. This is, uh, is going to be a fun guy to watch. I'm going to watch some uh, Cedric Tillman highlights later. And let's see, who did Tennessee play this year besides uh, Bama and Georgia? Because those will be two the two most interesting games to watch, I think. Um, you know, because they did so well against Bama and so bad against Georgia. If I can get that tape, that'll be a very fun uh, contrast to explore and see how did Tillman you know, specifically do in those two games. All right, this is going to be my last player. This is Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. He is also a wide receiver. Here's the thing with Hutchinson. Um, I like him. Uh, he graded out very, very highly uh, via PFF. 89 point, or sorry, 89.7 overall grade. He's definitely not a good blocker or has not been in uh, college. 68% blocking grade from NFL Draft Buzz, and PFF gave him a 67.5 grade. Pretty fast, twitchy fast, 449 speed. Um, big guy, 6'3", 270 pounds, a little bit slim. I would want him to put some muscle on there. Uh, 22.8 years old, he will be 23 and a half by the time, uh, the rookie season starts. A little bit of an older guy. That's a slight knock. Xavier Hutchinson was a two-star prospect who, uh, went to Iowa State. 
Uh, in 2020, as a freshman, he saw action in 12 games, made 64 receptions for 771 yards for an average of 12 yards per reception, four touchdowns, and a quarterback rating when targeted of 94.9. Skip ahead to this past season as a junior, played 12 games, 107 catches, 1,171 yards, 10.9 yards per catch, six touchdowns, and a 92.4 quarterback rating when targeted. Strengths. Xavier has the size, length, and strength to defeat press jams. That was something that was definitely lacking this past season for the Packers. Can make the spectacular catch. A decent open field runner with some agility and the ability to break tackles. Has long arms to stiff-arm defensive backs in the open field. Willing to lower his pads to run through tackles for extra yardage. Goes over the middle, can spin out of tackles, and take the big hit. He's a physical player who's able to get off press coverage to release up the sideline or position himself inside the cornerback on slants and crossing routes. He's a catch-and-run threat, a creative runner who has good vision in the open field. He'll be an option to return kicks as well. Nice. Often used on deep routes, getting separation down the sideline or over the middle on crossing routes by extending his arms rather than pure speed. A fluid athlete with excellent short area quickness, Hutchinson should be able to create separation, and he has the straight line speed to threaten down the seam. I think that paints a good picture of of uh, how he can be effectively used. Now, here's the bad news. He's very tall, a little bit on the slender side for his height, um, okay speed, not blazing fast, but not terrible. Um, you know, roughly like Devontae-ish speed. He's got short arms. He's, he's tall. He's in the uh, 82nd percentile in height, 29th percentile in wingspan, 23rd percentile in overall arm length. His hand size is in the 22nd percentile. So um, they are listing his strengths uh, and, and talking about that he um, – did they talk about jump balls? They talk about contested catches and deep – uh, deep passes and all that. I thought they talked about jump balls. I don't actually see that in here. Um, bu- 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 getting separation on the sideline or over the middle on crossing routes by extending his arms rather than pure speed. So he's extending his little stubby stumps. Scattering report weaknesses. Hutchinson has constantly, has constantly ran, as a terrible sentence, a limited route tree. He'll have to develop a better feel for sitting down against zone coverage. Physically, Hutchinson profiles as a guy who should have success facing the quarterback, but he struggles to gear down and make the necessary sharp cuts to create separation underneath. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, that makes sense. We were talking about how good of a deep threat he is, and then here's why he's going to be less effective in the um, short areas of the field. That makes sense. Top reasons to buy in. Contested catch. Body control, route running. It's interesting there that uh, the draft network is listing route running as one of his strengths, and NFL Draft Buzz is saying his limited route tree. I guess he runs his limited routes very well, but we'll have to expand that um, that book and uh, teach him some new routes. Good hands, been productive for his whole career. That is true. Top reasons for concern: inability to be a vertical threat. Yeah. I was looking for them to be talking about the jump balls and, and you know, who he kind of reminds me of a little bit is uh Chris Olave, just that uh, consistent deep threat, uh, just breaking off tons and tons of yards. 
um, you know, very reliable when you're hitting them down deep and, and decent speed. Um, but you know, a little bit of a smaller guy can get kind of bounced, uh, boxed out a little bit and not super explosive. Chris Olava is pretty explosive, but, uh, Xavier Hutchinson not, uh, described as being super explosive. Expected to run like a four, four, five, 40. That's about Devante ish speed, I think. Um, they're not listing any other weaknesses that really have me concerned. I, I have liked Xavier Hutchinson this whole time. And, um, I'm trying to think what is going to be a fun game that we could go watch from this past year. The one nice thing is that he's been a, a, a pretty consistent pro- producer for three straight years. So you actually have, um, a lot of different games to go back and look at. Uh, this past year, they they played against uh, TCU. That'd be a fun game to look at. Is this the correct year? Yeah, it is. Uh, Iowa, they have a fantastic defense. Uh, Iowa State only put up 10 points in that game. That was pretty early on in the season. That might be interesting to look at that one and maybe see some struggles from Xavier in that game. Uh, they played against Kansas and Kansas State back in October. Again, they only put up nine points against Kansas State. The Iowa State de- offense was not very productive this past year. West Virginia, they put up 31 points on in November. And then they played against Oklahoma State, who kind of sucked this past year. And then TCU was their final game of the season. They put up 14 points. TCU scored 62. Uh, <laughs> uh, when did Xavier get his production? Yeah, against Oklahoma State, he had a two-touchdown game. Had another one in week three against UNLV. Both of those games, he also graded out really highly. And then he actually, so they played Clemson in, uh, what bowl game did they go to? I don't know. I'm not looking it up. But they played Clemson, and he didn't have any touchdowns. Uh, but he had 34 yards on just one target, but he had an 88.6 overall grade. And looks like he was a, where's the blocking? It looks like he blocked well in that game. Yeah, he did. Which is interesting. Uh, his other really good blocking game of the season was the previous week against TCU. He had one bad blocking game against the UNLV. That was one of his two touchdown games. Overall, seems like he was really good on the season. He had two not great games. One was Iowa in week two. He didn't do much. 52 overall grade, eight targets, three receptions, 22 yards. Blech. And then against West Virginia, this was uh, one of their highest scoring games of the season for Iowa State. Eight targets, six receptions for 51 yards, no touchdowns, a 60.8 overall grade, and... Uh, decent job blocking in that game. So I think, uh, TCU feels like maybe one of the games to tune into Oklahoma state and TCU, um, UNLV would be fun, but they're, they're just not that good, but he definitely played well against them. So Oklahoma state, I think if you're looking for a game to watch Xavier in, that might be the fun one to go check out. So, uh, I got to get out of here. This has been fun. Thank you to, uh, Pedro and go Badgers for sending in these mock drafts. Super appreciate it. Um, I like looking at, uh, especially early on in the draft process, I like looking at the guys that you are interested in. So give me some more second, third, fourth round guys that we can be learning about. I think these are some super fun players. And, uh, man, Cedric Tillman is getting me excited. Um, 
that seems like it'd be a fun pairing with our existing wide receivers. Just kind of fits in like a glove. Him and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I don't see, you know, a huge likelihood that we would draft both of those guys. But I think if we got either one, they both happen to fill some really nice roles in our offense um, and could really provide something. One thing I'm wondering is if you get Cedric Tillman, I'm not so sure you have a huge role for Romeo Dobbs. Just my two cents. I think that Tillman is the higher upside guy there long-term. So eh, it'd just be something to think about. All right, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a fantastic day. Again, if you want to send something to me, uh, Twitter's the best place to do that, at JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. And stay tuned. We're going to be diving heavy into the draft coverage going forward. Uh, I'm getting excited. And, and just uh, FYI, we got a super cool guest coming on the show next week. And this guest is a Jackson Smith and Jigba expert. That'll be fun to dig into. All right, talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.